settled in this godforsaken spot almost ninety years ago. His blood does not run in your veins, or you would be willing to draw your sword to make a better life for the people you vowed to protect. Yorand fought down the anger that surged inside him. He sat on the bed and took her hand. I did vow to protect them, and I shall. But not all battles are fought with steel, and I will not drag our people away from their homes just because Brand is restless for adventure. Summer will be here soon. Perhaps our luck will change then. Or perhaps it will get worse. I think Brand is right. We should go. No, said Jorund firmly, pulling his hand away and standing abruptly. I am the leader of this village, and I say we are staying. You will see in time that I am right. He headed for the door, bringing an end to the discussion. Two years before, no one had listened to Brand and his wild dreams, but Siegfried was right. Since Thorkell had fallen through the ice and drowned, things had started to go wrong in Bratalith. Cleverly, Brand was using the problems to confirm his whispering campaign that the settlement was doomed. And many of the village's hundred or so members were beginning to believe him. Unfortunately, those most keen to go were the young, strong men, without whom the village could not manage. Jorund had no choice but to force them to stay. He sighed unhappily as he fumbled for his boots in the darkness. His father had warned him that this might happen. Theirs was a restless race with a drive to conquer new lands and sail across new seas. They were not farmers, content to eke out a paltry living among scrawny cattle and soil-starved vegetables. Thorkell had told his son that it would not be easy to keep Bratalith at peace with itself, and he had been right. Jorund could feel control slipping away from him with every day that passed. He tugged open the door and stepped outside, cursing when a blast of icy wind almost knocked him from his feet. He looked around, trying to gauge which of the various pens might have attracted the wolves' attention. Bratalith was not a large settlement. It stood at the head of a fjord and comprised a tiny chapel. His great-great-grandmother had converted to Christianity, and the place was still called Fjordhill's Church, even though she was many years in her grave, and a few houses clustered around it. Sheep, goats and chickens were kept in a range of sheds and outbuildings. Jorund pulled his cloak more closely around him and began to walk towards the nearest pen. Then the wolves howled again, and he was both annoyed and relieved when he realised they were not close at all. As often happened in the great silence of the Arctic, the wind had carried the sound many miles. Something is bothering them, came a voice at his elbow. He smiled. It was Leif, his eldest son, already tall for his nine years, and showing the kind of qualities that would make him a good leader one day. They do not usually bay at nothing. It is not nothing, Jorun said, 
pointing to the sky. It was a clear night with millions of stars blasted across a vast, velvety blackness. But there was something else, too, the strange, shimmering light that appeared sometimes in the spring months. It hovered like a great green scimitar, shivering and undulating. Perhaps God has not forsaken us after all. But Leif jabbed his finger towards the east. There! Do you see it? Gold in the sky! The wind was making Joran's eyes water, and at first he could not see what Leif had spotted. But then he saw it. A shower of stars that burnt brightly, then winked into nothing. Treasure! breathed Leif, gripping his father's arm in excitement. God is sending us gold! because he is sorry for all.